station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am not Tim. I was going to say, I feel like that should be my part, because you're the person who hasn't seen the movie, oh, and that I could actually be have. It. Okay, okay. So welcome to Real Education. I'm not Tim. All right. <laughs> <laughs> who are you, Barb? I'm Barb. <laughs> dear, dear listeners, Tim had to cancel out, so you left me, me, yeah. Melissa, and her Barb to fend for themselves, and so this is, like, we're just running rampant over the microphone this is, here. This is what happens when Tim runs away from us. Yes. So, you when, when he has, him. When he feels that there are things more important than this podcast and watching movies whatever. with us. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so... Uh, tonight, today, uh, did you want to take this? Um, I mean, sure, why okay, not? Okay, all right, okay. awesome. This is fun and exciting. <laughs> okay, go for it. Because this is a movie that I have seen that Melissa hasn't. It's so exciting. <laughs> which makes me really excited, <laughs> because I'm always the person who's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just here because I like movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, Melissa. Yes? Tell me what you know about the producers, the musical from oh. 2005. Mm. I think it was later than that. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, um, um, I do know it. It stars the the stars of the Broadway cast, yes. which is uh, Ferris Bueller and uh, uh. Nathan Lane, <laughs> yeah, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. Yes. And um, I'm I am very familiar with the uh, the music because I own the Broadway soundtrack. Ooh, and okay. I I sing along with it in my car. Obviously. So I do know the songs, and I have seen the traveling cast. Oh, yeah. So I, I have seen it on stage, but I have not seen Nathan Lane or mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Broderick perform these roles. They were not with the traveling cast, unfortunately. They yeah. were just on Broadway. That, so. Yeah, so very sad. That would be that would have been great. The traveling cast was fun, though. It, it was fun to see it staged. I I've never seen it on stage, so. I'm excited to hear what the differences are from you. All right. It's one of the musicals that I enjoy, but have not seen as it comes through the cities as every few years or so. Awesome. I, I recommend you do it. But right now, we should watch the movie of it. And then, and so, dear listeners, <laughs> this is me channeling my inner Tim. <laughs> you should go watch the producers as well. And we'll be right back after these messages no we'll be right back after (laughs) we'll be right back after these messages (laughs) or or theme music (laughs) oh my god tim what did you do
great friends. There have been lots of prisoners escaped from love. There's been lots of things that have been kept gay. And we are back from watching The Producers. Thank you very much. I'm very good. Very good. You're Thank welcome. You, You're Barb. welcome. Yes. You've been studying. This is amazing. Yes, I have. Eat your heart out, Tim. This yeah. is what happens. We don't need you anymore. Kills <laughs> doing it on her own. <laughs> so, Melissa, tell us what you thought about the producer. I, I have some mixed feelings about it because uh, I adore the music. I love the music. I love the show. Yes. I love uh, Matthew Broderick's voice. Nathan Lane is amazing in everything he does. Oh my goodness. Um, there and. I find it interesting that the director is also the woman who directed the show on Broadway. So it's, there are things about the performances that would read much, much better on stage than they do in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it, once you kind of realize, or rather once I kind of settled into the, this is super broad, this mm -hmm. is the way this would be played on stage. This isn't a movie. This is just a filming of the musical on stage. Yeah. I was okay with it. So it, I, I think I can see why audiences really didn't go with it when it came out in 2005. Yes, you were right about 2005. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it, I think I saw it was like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. Havsies, havsies. Yeah, it's... Hard to read it as a movie, but if you're just reading it as the stage musical on screen, it's pretty good. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's good. Um, I mean, both Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick were up for Tonys. Oh, Tony, 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 Tony. <laughs> as it's spinning around. Yes. And <laughs> so they were, I think they were both up for like best lead or whatever. Yeah. And Nathan Lane won. Yeah, that that show was a Tony magnet, if I remember it right. Yeah, yeah, it was. It yeah. was. Yeah. So, it was, yeah. Okay. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I, I love seeing them work together, you know, for... It's it's a good substitute for not seeing them actually on stage. Yes. But yes. it is very clearly... They're both giving performances that are very clearly honed for being on stage, and they're very broad for being on a movie screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But I did love seeing aspects, many aspects of the stage play that I loved. I loved the, the singing, uh, the doves in their coops, which is part of the <laughs> stage play. I loved seeing the little grannies with their walkers and the tap dance with the walkers, which just about slew me in the theater. Um, the the Judy Garland, no, Liza Minnelli, Judy. No, it's a Judy Garland thing. The, the sitting on the side of the stage that Hitler does. Oh, yeah. During I his... Yes. <laughs> That's a Liza Minnelli thing. Yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember that, and of course, you know, the big mirror coming down, and you can see the dancing swastika. And well, yeah, because yeah. you had mentioned that in when, the previous show. In, yeah, when we watched the the movie, the mm -hmm. original, that in they that they have that, so you can tell it's actually a swastika. So that was. Yeah, it's it's a fun show, mm -hmm. and the the ways that that they sometimes amp it up is, you know, cause the paratroopers coming down from the ceiling <laughs> at the end. And, and, uh, the, I think the, the costumes are even more extravagant that they are in stage. They're ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love them. <laughs> 
but yeah, the um, there are part there are parts of the movie that I, I mean, it, remembering that the Broadway show was two thousand one and this movie was two thousand five. It's this is now thirteen years. On, oh my god, yeah. thirteen years on. Well, and given what's been happening recently, yeah, I was gonna say there was a couple points in time where we both were kind of like. Oh my god! You know the the joke about the casting couch and the you want the big couch, yeah, and the the neo Nazi musical in lights and um, I'm trying to think. Oh, the uh, I mean, we were talking about the original producers having the homophobia mm-hmm. angle and. I mean, I know they're really, really, really amping it up for this. I mean, there's still that underlining, uh, underlying homophobia angle, and yet there's the joy of seeing just the right. the Roger Debris apartment. Oh yes, I mean, <laughs> he literally has the village people. He has the village. He people. has the village people living in his apartment, <laughs> and they break into song. And the Arabian boy. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Jay Parker from yes. the original Queer Eye. Yes. FYI, yes. yes. And, and John Barrowman. And John Barrowman is the lead tenor in, in for Springtime and in Hitler. I was like, wait, what? Well, yeah, we were both going, whoa, <laughs> it's Captain Jack. And he, oh my God, so Aryan. <laughs> his but, eyes, though, man. Oh, his Ooh, eyes. And, and that smile. Oh, yeah. Just that perfect smile. Oh, John Barrowman's a handsome man. And yes, I have no doubt that's his actual voice because he oh, can, God, he can yeah. belt it. Oh, yeah. Um. But, I mean, there's so yeah. much gay going on. There's a lot of gay. And then it's even when he was like, quick, get back in the closet. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. When the police are, you know, raiding them and everything. And he's like, okay. Yes. <laughs> there, there's something I, I like about the... Well, I'm always so conflicted about the, the flaming mm-hmm. sort of aspect. It's like... Uh, and playing it for laughs. I mean... Yeah, it's hard for me to go in and <laughs> discuss that. The, the The beauty of it, though, is he really did look like the Chrysler building, and it was gorgeous. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Oh, When he put God. that, like, when he put the crown on and then just, like, stood there and sort of puffed his chest out, I was like, oh, <laughs> yep, you are cooking. I want that dress. <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to look that good in that I dress. I know, I was like, really? good. Oh. Never going to look that good. I want to look like the Chrysler building. <laughs> And Uma Thurman, hot damn. Mm. So I will say, um, I'm fairly certain she did most of her own singing. Yeah, it sounded like her. I and know she had. Um, I, I know she had somebody do some of her dancing for her. Yeah, you in can some see some faces. You can see some like, Texas Oh, suddenly I don't see her face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> type of a deal, mm-hmm. but yeah, and but she she plays that that part. Very Ooh, well. That yeah. That well. I mean, that's. I mean, Uma Thurman came on the scene like that. I mean, oh, yeah. when when she appeared at God, was it was it her first movie was uh, Baron Munchausen? I think it was mm. as Venus, and she like arises out of a pool in the classic what? Botticelli pose, and she's naked with the long hair and and you know holding her hands over herself, and then the Cupids wrap her up in in tapestries. And I am not familiar with that. You've never seen Adventures of Baron Munchausen? No. Oh, we need to show this to you. It's a, it's a Terry Gilliam movie. It's it's delightful. And young Uma Thurman, she just rises out of the pool, and you go, oh yeah, that's Venus. 
Yeah. And yeah, and she's she just has an air about her. And seeing her play comedy like this is delight. Now, one of the things I miss from the show is the woman who plays Ula in in at least the cast recording that I have has this amazing voice oh. where when she goes now Ula belt and then she <gasps> she just like will knock your socks off. She's just her voice is dynamite. <sighs> and so hearing it. Not quite no, like that. Belt. Then, uh, uh, yeah, which is always the problem with yeah. casting big named Hollywood actors. Mm-hmm. They might be able to sing, but you're not. But gonna, you're not you're, Broadway singing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a very specific talent, and it few people can do that. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like you know, acting for the stage is a different thing from acting for movies. Oh it's, gosh, yes, it's. It's a different thing. It's a different yeah. art. Yeah. But also, you know, the, the comparison is fascinating. <laughs> and um, I really did like going into this knowing the music so well because watching, comparing the soundtrack I have to the stage version I saw and this gives a lot of perspective mm-hmm. to the show. Um, also, I will say I was very fascinated looking back on the stage version that I saw, the cast I saw, the the man playing Bialystok was very clearly trying desperately to be Nathan Lane. Oh. And doing pretty well. Okay. And the guy playing Leo Bloom was very desperately trying to play Gene Wilder. Oh. <laughs> and doing okay. So it was like a mashup of the movie. Interesting. The, yeah. Yeah, it, very interesting. That would have been fascinating. Yeah. And, my, and one of the things I miss in Matthew Broderick's performance is, of course, the Gene Wilder hysterics. And yes. The, the, Gene Wilder is so good at that nervous energy uh-huh. and yeah. and ca- the meekness and the... Uh, and it just, like, flips. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And in Broderick... I don't know, maybe he just carries the ghost of Ferris Bueller on his shoulders or something. And and again, maybe it's just honed for stage and not for movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But my God, his his voice is so good. It really is. I love Matthew Broderick's voice. Um, I I will admit, uh Will Farrell's voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's I don't think he's classically trained in any way, shape, or form, but no. he has a surprisingly decent singing voice because he does all of his own singing in, in when they're doing the clop hop and yes. you know both during and then while credits are rolling. Which, dear listeners, oh my god, uh, you need to stay through all of the credits if you didn't go back and finish them because you get this delightful, <laughs> slowed down, <laughs> romantic ish. Um, it's very much Will Ferrell, Ferrell trying to, like, be, uh, Celine Dion, in my opinion. Yeah! Um, and almost like the, my heart will go on, but it's the, the, the... The Guten Tag Club. It's the, yeah. It, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
It's it's amazing. And uh, dear and listeners, it, I was laughing so hard during that. I mean, the whole thing is wonderful, but then at the very end, Will Smith very seductively and quietly no, no, goes. No, Smith. Although that oh, was sorry. interesting too. I'm sorry, I'm getting my wills mixed up. Ooh. Will Ferrell goes, and don't forget to go and buy, buy my cup. My cup. It's available at Barnes and Noble or Borders or Amazon.com. <laughs> It really is amazing. (laughs) (sighs) And, oh, yeah, I, there is one song, at least, that's missing from the movie that's in the stage version, Mm -hmm. which I miss, which is the, uh, I was the king of old Broadway, which is uh, one of Nathan Lane's song. Yeah, so. I once was the king, the king of old Broadway, and I, I. I imagine they cut it for time and so, it was something we don't necessarily miss, but I, I miss it. Yeah. I miss it in my heart. So what I found, what I, I think it's that song. There was one song that was left out. It was between one song and the betrayed song. Yes. And they were going to take one of them out and they decided to leave the betrayed in. Which is good. Um, Just because it gives more of a backstory about what, you know, um, Mm-hmm. Bloom and Ula are doing. Um, so I'm thinking that's probably that one. Also, the Betrayed song is super fun. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of was hoping that there was going to be... Um, it's been a long time since I've seen this, so I didn't remember the Betrayed song. Mm-hmm. And so I was almost hoping that it was going to be like Cell Block Tango-ish, <laughs> where there was going to be like a bunch more like slightly chunky dudes that were going to start singing and dancing <laughs> right along with them. So I was kind of waiting for that. Like, come on, come on. It didn't happen. That... But- that, that- that song is a killer in the stage. Oh yeah, version because it's literally just the guy playing Bialystok in the <sighs> center of the stage with some bars around him, and he is just mowing through this summary of the entire show you just watched, <laughs> and it's frenetic and hysterical, and it's it's really really great. And um, it, that was one of my favorite parts of the stage play was watching that. That's one that really stuck in my head because we were just dying watching that thing. And seeing Nathan Lane perform it is is wonderful. Although oh, yeah. I think it loses something, I because mean, having all the the movie cuts into different camera angles mm-hmm. and stuff, there's something that kind of takes away from the frenetic power of that particular performance. It would almost be better if they just lock the camera on and just let Nathan Lane go and and just have it be one unbroken shot. Yeah. Which would be amazing. Oh, man. But, but that, yeah, yeah. I, I love when the, the, the bars light up at the end. So, other tidbits that I found out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Because, trivia, trivia. Because I'm playing you in, in this round tonight. Um, so, when Bialystok is going and ringing all the doorbells mm-hmm. of all the old ladies. So, apparently, it's a combination. There's um, his, um, Mel Brooks' main, like, like original name is one of them. Like, his oh, birth yeah. name is one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... A number of different parts that play homage to his wife, Anne. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, so, like, all of the other um, names are uh, people who I think they... Oh, shoot. Um, They were involved with the 
original Broadway. So I think oh. it was like the last names of some of those folks. Yay. And then everybody else are like just the ridiculously rich people in New York, like the Rockefellers <laughs> and stuff like that. And so they did, they had like, all, you know, if I, I, I kind of want to go back and like pause it and like figure out because you see just so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they actually have um, a number, a, a number of different little, Easter egg type things in there like that. Yeah, I was enjoying watching the like the edges of the screen because there were so many little hidden uh, mm-hmm. jokes in the background, like the posters in Bialystok's office for the shows he's produced. Oh yeah, <laughs> the uh, you know like things on the marquees and just just little tiny jokes like that, mm-hmm. or. You know, when Ula painted, paints the office entirely white. Like in the, half a day. The inside of the uh, the, <laughs> the safe, safe is also white. <laughs> she painted over the numbers. <laughs> she painted over the numbers. <laughs> um, but so there, there were actually a lot of stuff that Mel Brooks threw in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a couple different homages to Anne at mm-hmm. the very end where you see all of the... Um, the the shows that they're producing as oh, as yeah. it pulls out there's Anne is one of the marquees that you see mm-hmm. um and then he did a bunch of other stuff that was little like hat tricks to um Robin Hood Men in Tights and oh. um oh gosh well the uh, cod piece is a mm-hmm, Men in Tights mm-hmm. joke um and then when Bloom goes work 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 uh, Blazing Saddles oh yes mm-hmm. so like he has like he does he did little things like that um did you see any of that stuff in the theatrical version oh. See, this is kind of why, yeah. like, now I know this, like, I want to go and check now, and I want to go find it and see it somewhere, and be like, did he still do this? Well, there are, there are a few things, I, I don't, I don't specifically recall those, but I do recall, like, the the running gag of Mel Brooks's voice being used in Spring Time yes. for Hitler, that, don't be stupid, be a smarty, that's piped in over the stage show, over the, the number in the stage nice. show. That's, like, if you see the stage show, that line is still Mel Brooks. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, there, there are a couple, it was a while since I saw the stage yeah, show. Yeah, that's fine. But, um, I do seem to recall their little, other she wins to mm-hmm. little references to Mel Brooks in there. But I mean, like, like the posters in Bialystok's office, that's a, that's a movie gag, not necessarily a stage gag. Cause yeah. you're not necessarily going to be able to read the text. Exactly. Yeah. Or have eyes that follow Ula as you walk around. Yes. <laughs> but they did have the pigeons in the coop. Nice. The singing pigeons all excellent. In they had little puppet pigeons. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other gags that I really liked like I already mentioned the grannies with their, mm-hmm. their little tap dance with their walkers. I adore that. Um, yeah. It, uh, various other little gags like that. And <sighs> I do love, <sighs> let's go back to Will Ferrell. I love how broad his performance is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little overbroad, but everybody's a little overbroad in this. And, You'd think you wouldn't be able to, and and you still kind of can't top the guy who was in the original movie, but Will Ferrell comes awfully close. <laughs> oh man, I, I honestly can't, 
I, I couldn't see anyone like, I mean, so in the original, what's his name? Kenneth Mars. Yes, Kenneth. I honestly, like Will Farrell is, I think, the only person that I think could potentially come close to doing what Kenneth Mars did. Mm-hmm. I honestly can't come up with anybody else that I would be like, yeah, I think he would do an okay enough job to like, you know, be decent and not make me be like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he was, he was okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could see, I mean, there are character actors out there who can do that because that's what character actors do. Right. But um, about the only person I can think like working right now would mm-hmm. be um, Campbell Scott, because there's this movie called the imposters that came out. I want to say late nineties, uh, Sterling Stan, Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt in this kind of mad camp little rom comedy that has a cast of stars like Billy Connolly and, and, oh, and Steve Buscemi and everybody. It's hysterically funny. But Campbell Scott is the son of of George C. Scott, and he plays this cruise director who is very clearly trying to be Adolf Hitler. <laughs> And he is hysterically funny. Like, in a cast like that, he's the one who steals scenes. Oh. So, that, but that was a while ago. <laughs> uh, I, but yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell, I'm on board what, with that decision. Well, well, there's... I really did like going into the movie not knowing or not remembering who was in the movie aside Uh from Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Right. Because all those little cameos coming up was really delighting. It's like, oh, Will Ferrell, oh my God, this is going to be good. Or uh, uh, John Barrowman, which was a mutual surprise. That was lovely. And Michael McKeon showing up as one of the prisoners. Um, uh, Oh God. uh, uh, What's his nose from Big Lebowski? The the Big Lebowski. (laughs) The the judge at the end is the uh, the mastermind of Big, Big Lebowski. Not the mastermind, the big rich guy in, in Big Lebowski. And Andrew Martin is one of the little old ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like... Um, John Lo- John Lovitz. And John Lovitz, yes. yes. I'm trying... I, was, I always love seeing John Lovitz and stuff. I'm trying to see... Mm-hmm. Yep, John Berman, lead tenor. Yep. I'm trying to see if we can find... I love this where it's just stuffy man, snooty woman. Like that is their, (laughs) their character names. Yeah. (sighs) Um, Well, I'm not finding it. Well, fine. (laughs) You're looking for a bit of trivia that you were. Yes. Uh, But that's okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So. trying to think what else i lost my train of thought oh no (laughs) oh Oh, one of the things that i enjoyed so um when they are with han liebchens on the on the roof and they get stuck there yes and you know and and max goes um oh we're trapped we're trapped we're trapped (laughs) that is a gag that they carried over from the Broadway. Cause apparently at some point in time, the door 
got stuck. Oh my god! <laughs> and yes! so, like, Nathan Lane legitimately just ad-libs, oh my god, we're stuck on the roof with this crazy Nazi. Um, and, like, it gave the backstage folks, like, one of the grips enough time to, like, get there and, like, figure out what was going on with it so it could be opened. And, like, they liked that enough that they apparently kept it in some of the Broadway stuff Mm -hmm. and then utilized it for the movie as well. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I, I had a moment like that on stage when I was in, in high school. I, I was the only person on stage. (laughs) I was in Phantom of the Opera, not the musical, not the musical. And I was the secretary of the two of, directors of the opera okay and so i was supposed to come in i was answering a phone and i was supposed to say a couple lines and then the directors would come in and start their scene and i would exit right well the directors were missing so i had to just keep talking on the phone had to to stretch it out a little bit (laughs) yeah and finally it's like hold on i will go find them <laughs> it went off stage. Went in the green room. Was like, we're screwing them. So anyway, the trivia about me. <laughs> ah, the stage. Sometimes All I miss it. All the things. All the things. <laughs> I, you know, actors are not animals. Have you ever eaten with one? <sighs> yeah. I, yeah, it's it's interesting how much this reveal th- this movie reveals about how much we've changed in terms of how movies read when you have really broad comedy, because you used to have super broad comedy like that in earlier years in previous decades, and the the style of slapstick comedy and broad comedy has really really changed yeah as you know in recent years so it's it's interesting to see kind of old style stuff like that presented in the aughts and what works and what doesn't <laughs> and what holds up after 13 years and what makes you go yeah which is interesting because it's like, yeah, I remember 2005. That wasn't that long. It was 13 years ago. Damn it. But the... I mean, it's like a seventh grader ago. Ah. Oh, my God. They're just, yep. Just wreck, uh, killing yeah, I feel, you. I feel old. Just wrecking your heart. <sighs> I was 30 back then. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. The... How much... How... Far and how far we haven't come in mm-hmm. in thirteen years is fascinating to me, and I mean even in the last couple of years, how much this, how fast the sea change of how sexism reads in the movies and how oh, yeah. uh, homophobia reads in the movies and racism and you, you know list them off one by one and neo Nazis oh my god yeah there was and, oh god. And, and the jokes about Nazis are pretty much the same in this movie as they were in the 1960s producers. Mm-hmm. But there's something about watching something that you know was made in the 60s that it at least allows you to distance yourself from it. And there's... Oh, yeah. And and the fact that this was... You know, that was a movie that was made 20 years after the fact. And 
you know, there were still plenty of people who, mm-hmm. you know, most people were, who had, who were watching that movie had also seen World War II in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And we are now oh so many years past that and now kind of seeing this weird resurgence mm-hmm. in, in American culture and suddenly those jokes don't play. Yeah. In, yeah. There, there was a brief moment when there, you know, like when springtime for Hitler was being discussed, when my brain just sort of went, how long do you think it's going to be before there's a musical production about our current commander in chief? And how fast do we can write that? <laughs> exactly, right? I'm like, hmm. And, and would it need rewrites every night? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I got the best joke. <laughs> it's going to be valid for the next 12 and a half minutes. Let's put it on now. <laughs> It's just a new. It's just a new musical every single day. It's it's, it's the most incredible improv project. Oh god, oh god you can't make that stuff up. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> makes me. Why isn't this vodka that I'm drinking? I know we both we both just had to be like oh, heavy uh. sighs. Take some. <laughs> take take a break. Drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. But still, it's still damn funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess that that I mean, cringe comedy is still a thing, and and I mean, that is kind of what the original producers is about is oh, that yeah. element of cringe comedy, and it's just taken on a different flavor recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, unfortunate but true. John Barrowman and so Aryan. Oh my god, that's disturbing. But his voice is so great. Yeah, it is. He's a dreamboat. He is a very handsome man. His husband's so freaking lucky. Yeah, right. <sighs> he's a big giant nerd. I follow him on all of the social medias. Yeah, he seems he seems like just an amazing human. Yeah. <laughs> He's like one of those people where I'm like, I feel like if I actually met you in person, mm-hmm. we would potentially be like best friends. Mm-hmm. You know? Because you're not like pretentious. You're just like, eh, what up? You know, let's go. Yeah, sure. Let's go get a hot dog or whatever. Yeah. Or a pint or whatever. Precisely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although I did, I did love... God, 2005, was that the year that Doctor Who came back? Was that the first year that it was rebooted? <gasps> so this would have been uh, a few years prior to the Captain Jack role. Oh yeah, this was definitely pre. Yeah, I I, re- yeah. I know, but it, this was like two years prior. Although I do, it was two thousand five. Oh, go me! It I remember was. that year. <laughs> I was thirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we get it. You were 30. I was so young. Um, but yeah, the... <laughs> I do love, even though he hasn't become the nerd star yet. Nerd star. I, I feel like that's a David Bowie song or something. But anyway, <laughs> I, I love that they play with him on stage during that number. Like, he's... Like they know they got something special in John Barrowman. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, yeah. he 
was he? I'm I am checking this because he started in um in 2006. He yeah, 2005. Mm-hmm. And then Okay, so oh, it was what? 20... wait, wait. Cuz the Captain Jack character because he was in Torchwood. Well, yeah, he was in Torchwood, and that was 2006. That was 2006. Okay. And then he wasn't technically in... Because Torchwood like started airing just after I was in the UK for the first time, which was in 2006. But, um, yeah, well, Captain Jack was in that first season of Doctor Who, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he played off of... Uh, Philly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Bad Wolf. Yeah. He was part of that season. For some reason, I was thinking he was part of the second season of the... Oh, no, sorry. He's was, not... Um, was... Eccleston. Was he with Eccleston? He, I didn't think so. I thought he was. All right. I'm All gonna, right. We're, we're we're need a do- we need a Doctor <laughs> Who expert. We need somebody on call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This is this oh, this yeah, is I, I, this is why we need Tim here so two people can talk while some, while the third person <laughs> third Google's person Googles for, for information desperate looking doctor <laughs> did John Barrowman because the doctor dances that was Eccleston wasn't it uh, it's gotta be. Oh my god, stretching my Doctor Who knowledge. This is this is not the role I should be in. <laughs> my brothers are Meanwhile. not my brothers are not allowed to know that this is what I'm doing. Okay, because... so what if the closet that Roger Debris and Carmen Gia <gasps> stepped in was the TARDIS? <gasps> and they ran off with John Barrowman and had fabulous I, dances together. I am so on board for that headcanon. <laughs> um, I, I am... And, and, and the Chrysler building dress. Yes, of course. Absolutely in the Chrysler building dress. Because uh, Captain Jack would, A, love that, and B, try to wear it. So, oh, probably. Yes. Totally. <laughs> um, okay, so... Okay. We have an answer. Did you find one of those Doctor Who wikis that has like all the... And now I'm just going down a Doctor Who rabbit hole. Yes, yes, I am. And you are correct. It was Eccleston. Okay. And I'm sad that I couldn't remember that because he's my favorite doctor. Yes, fight me. I don't care what you think. If stupid Matt Smith was your favorite, Eccleston will always be mine. Uh, That's fair. Totally fair. I have a thing for Paul McGann. Not as a doctor. I just have a thing for Paul McGann. <laughs> just in general. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know. Understandable. Mm-hmm. But Eccleston was a fine doctor. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. And I have a thing for David Tennant, too. Not just because I dress like him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had his hair. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. So now that we've officially decided that the TARDIS was the closet, <laughs> now we have another musical we need to write. Yeah, and it involves Ferris Bueller with a TARDIS. Absolutely. Also, and also a Chrysler building dress. And a Chrysler building dress. And Uma Thurman. I'm on board for that. Okay, yeah. 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 
Oh, so also um, I, I love how she just towers over, um, <laughs> over Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. I don't think he's particularly short, but she's tall. Yeah. Uh, so um, the original role for Ula was actually offered to Nicole Kidman. Oh my! Like because when Broderick and Kidman were working on Stepford Wives, oh yeah, she. Basically, Matthew Broderick convinced her, mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm in, uh-huh. without even reading the script or anything like that. And it was just like, we want her. And she was like, yep, I'm doing it. And then, unfortunately, she had to pull out because oh. she was, uh, she felt like she was too busy, and she had, like, family stuff that she kind of wanted to focus uh, on a little bit. Okay. Which, I mean, makes sense, because, yeah. you know, she's a mom and everything. Um, but I was like, when I found that out, I was like, God... And then I was like, that would have been killer because, like, Moulin Rouge, yeah. she does all of her own singing. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, that would have been, like, I feel like she would have been able to do the Ula belt a little <laughs> bit better than yeah. Kidman. But, yeah. Or, yeah, Thurman, excuse me. But, <laughs> yeah, so. She still doesn't have that sort of voice. That's but, true. But, I, you know what? I said Moulin better. Rouge. Uh, a movie I dearly love does have a lot of shit to answer for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Moulin Rouge is the floodgate that opened that led movie directors to go, we could just cast favorite actors that can kind of sing and just let them sing their own stuff. And that'll be fine for a musical, right? And this, I mean, I've, I've had my complaints about this movie. They're fairly minor mm-hmm. in, in the wake of Moulin Rouge. But, oh, God, Les Miserables? Oh, ow. Uh, ouch. 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 Anne Hathaway, honey, no. Anne Hathaway was one of the better ones. That's the I thing. know, and that's the, pr- and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, and then, and then, oh, God, Russell Crowe is so bad. <sighs> so bad. The problem is, he would be fine if he hadn't been singing his portrayal of Javert is very interesting, but my God, he can't sing. Then that's a part for baritone. And then Sweeney Todd, fuck that movie. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I will say this. When you when you have Ula belt, you, you should just get somebody who can, who can belt. belt. Exactly. <laughs> I, um, I love you, Uma, honey. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> your, your voice. Anyway. St- stick to acting. You got that. Oh, yeah. Let somebody else, you know, you you don't need to do everything. You don't need to do everything. Just you you stick to the actress part of stuff. You got Mm -hmm. it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and do plenty more of that because I like that. Yes, please. You know, I have no problem with you doing 725 more Kill Bills. Oh, yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. Um, I will say, in defense of Moulin Rouge, Mm -hmm. because I love Baz Luhrmann, I love the, to the deep soul of my core. Um, but so I was lucky enough. My brother lives in Boston mm-hmm. and Boston happened to be the location where Moulin Rouge, the musical, like Whoa. the theatrical musical. Good Lord. Made its pre-Broadway debut. Good Lord. And I totally went and saw that because I was like, it's in Boston. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with my brother. <laughs> So I was like, hey, Jim, I'm going to come and visit you. And by the way, I'm actually really just using you as a place to stay because I want to go see Moulin Rouge the musical. Um, But it was incredibly well done, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it has all of its actors and actresses Mm -hmm. can belt. 
oh. and can really sing yeah. and do just such an amazing job. And I was just like, yes, this is this is what the movie <laughs> should have been. The, I feel like we're going right into an episode about Moulin Rouge right now, but <laughs> here I we are. Totally tangent, watch that. tangent time. But FYI, um, if you ever do a Baz Luhrmann, I've seen all of his movies, but I'm still going to come and watch them and talk to you about them because I love him. Oh, I'm good with that. So yeah, the thing with Moulin Rouge is Luhrmann knew how to, you know, even though the actors he was using aren't necessarily st- stage singers or anything like that. He knew how to use them. Yes. Or at least the musical director yes. <laughs> director of the, the movie knew how to use them. So they went for the uh, the uh, more character singing rather yep. than Ula Belt. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but when you have a song that says and now Ula Belt, she better fucking belt. Because <laughs> if she doesn't belt I'm going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a little disappointed in the building. Well, yeah. So, I mean, and that happens, I feel like, kind of across the board. Yeah. When, so, and, and a really, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, so, Hamilton, the musical. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Big, huge, everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the whole entire you know, Broadway soundtrack by heart. Of course. Because, uh, obviously. Because like I'm 90% giant. of my friends do. Exactly. Yes. Um, and so I went and saw it, when because it, it's in town here mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Um, and I went and saw it. And the three main leads that play the sisters, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's like that one part where it's just like the all three of them at the same time. It's just, ah! And I was just like, I was was like, I love that part. I'm waiting for it. And it was just like, uh. Oh. Sad. So it was a little bit sad. But I was like, all right, Barb. It's not going to be the Broadway people. Tone it down. It's fine. They still did a good job. And there's also, I think, a thing that happens when Recordings are being made versus oh, on, live. on stage because oh, actors have to conserve their voice. Ab- whereas absolutely. they can do all out for right. the cast recording later. When you're in the sound booth and you can do how many different takes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And and I remember, uh, dear listeners, if I give you enough information, you should be able to Google this and find it. There's this um, video recording of... I think it's it was done at the Metropolitan. They were doing Tales of Hoffman, mm. the off- opera, and there is a song where this clockwork girl is singing, and it's basically, it's an aria, so there is a lot of leeway for just improvising and just showing off. Yeah. And the regular woman who played that part... Um, couldn't perform that night, so her understudy took it. And the understudy, she knew she was only doing it for one night, so she went for the gold. Really? And, and um, I think it's still, like, the highest pitch ever reached inside <gasps> the Met. <laughs> it, and it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, um, Tales of Hoffman. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what the Google search would be. But anyway. Tales of Hoffman, the Met understudy? Yeah. Tales of Hoffman understudy will probably get you to it. It's <sighs> it's pretty great. But yeah, there's... But yeah, Ula should belt if it's for yeah. a movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
trying to wrap it around again rather than just me going off on tangents. <laughs> I, I let's just tangents. That's yeah. just what we're going to talk about for the rest of the night. Deal with right. it. And we could do that. We totally could. This is very true. But we have gone on for like uh, forty-five minutes here, so we oh, probably golly, could. We probably could let the listeners go <laughs> and have their own tangents. <laughs> Unless, do, do we have final thoughts about um, the producers? Final thoughts. Um, that's a good question. I I love Nathan Lane. Oh, I do too. That man, in my opinion, can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, he's so phenomenal, and I I loved being able to see because his name is totally escaping me. Um, the guy who plays uh, Ballastock in the uh, original movie. Oh, Zero Mustel. Zero. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's his name again? Zero. I remember when we watched that, I was like, I can't like, t- I, I, I was like, is Zero? I was like, obviously it came first. I was like, is Zero embracing and like channeling his inner Nathan Lane. <laughs> and, and I mean like duh, obviously no barb because that was in the 60s before Nathan Lane did it. Duh. Or I, or or Nathan Lane is uh, a new regeneration of Zero Mustel, yes. hence the TARDIS. Beca- well, in the odd, exactly. In, in the office. But there were some like expressions that like that Zero had. Yeah. I was like I've seen Nathan Lane do that before in different like in in movies and stuff. And so it was, it, it it very much I was like, that's so crazy. They're, they're very the person. Yeah, they're very similar performers. And they're like they're both doing comedy and they're the both the same body types and they do similar types of similar types of work. And so yeah, it's Nathan Lane is zero mustello reborn as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and God, I'm good with that. I'm I'm super here for that. I would have loved to see those two together. <laughs> that would be oh my goodness, right? Like father and son. Yes. <laughs> like or, or like uh, like a buddy cop movie. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know how you got there, but I love it. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good buddy buddy cop movie, anyways. So. Well, who isn't? Right. <laughs> but I was just like, <sighs> yes. So yeah, I yeah. Being yeah. able to have, like, such a recent memory of seeing that movie with you guys. And now... I'm so, I'm so glad yeah. you saw it with us. That, that was so fun. It was a good time. Yeah. What about you? What are your last thoughts? Oh, goodness. I need... I'm going to be listening to the soundtrack over and over again for the next week. So thank you, Barb. I, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't be, be uh, doing that too loud in my car because other people might take that the wrong way. But, you know, who knows? Springtime for Hitler and Germany. Oh, my God. We're on the porch and my windows are open. Anyway. <laughs> what about Nazis? So anyway. <laughs> so anyway, we should... Uh, Oh my god, incoming puppy. Okay, we should probably let the puppy. listeners know because there are there are dogs invading the space. Hello, puppy. They're the cutest dogs in the world, yes. but they are dogs. They are dogs. Hi, baby. So, dear listeners, uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with an episode about um, either... Oh my goodness, it's either going to be Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein because we are going to be continuing on... Mel Brooks! Mel Brooks! Mel Brooks uh, 
quad quadrathlon. <laughs> Are you guys doing um, space balls? I'll talk to Tim about that. We'll see. Because that's... I have a great amount of nostalgia for space balls, given my age. Because you were 30 when it was 2005. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, dear listeners, please uh, return in a couple weeks. Um, there, there, Actually, we might have a little bit of a break because Renaissance Festival is going on, and we're all busy here. Giant nerds! Giant nerds! <laughs> and so next time we'll be back with another Mel Brooks movie. We will uh, see you later. Bye. Keep it gay. Keep, keep it gay. Keep it gay. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.